Om Namo Bhagavate Sri Arunachala Ramanaya Namaskaram Today I've been asked to talk about Sri Arunachala Pancharatnam. This is the last of the uh, five hymns, Arunachala Stuti Panchakam, and it is the only um, one that Bhagavan composed originally in Sanskrit. In fact, it's the only um, complete work that Bhagavan composed originally in Sanskrit and later translated into Tamil. There are two verses that he composed first in Sanskrit and then in Tamil, but they are just uh, miscellaneous verses. That is Hridhya Guhra Madhye, which he later translated as verse 8 of um, Uludunapdhan Bandham, and Deham Rinmaya, which he later translated as verse 10 of uh, of uh, Uludunapya and Bandham, but those are just uh, two stray verses. This is the only complete work that Bhagavan originally composed in Sanskrit. Um, in in various books and various uh, uh, printed sources, there are slight variations on how exactly Bhagavan came to compose this. Um, I also heard slight variations from um, from old devotees who were there in those days. I heard both from uh, Kunju Swami and from Natanananda. So from all the various sources, what I what I think is the most probable um, account, but we, can't, we will never know for certain because everyone has their own slightly different version, but it seems under circumstances that nobody is quite uh, sure about, Bhagavan one day he composed the first verse, Arunapun Subdabde Kabalitagana Vishwarupa Kiranabalya Arunachala Paramatman Arunobhavachitta Kanjasubhikasaya. Um, it seems sometime later, this verse came to the notice of um, of Kavyagantaganapati Sastri. He, it seems he had, uh, on the request of um, of um, of Panabananda, who um, who was formerly known as um, uh, I can't remember, he was the Munshi for F.A. Champres, and he was also the the, um, the uncle of Sabapali Radhakrishnan. He later took sannyasa under the name of Panabananda. It seems he had requested Ganapati Muni to compose a song on the Guru, which Ganapati Muni did. And then they want uh, some devotees wanted a, a, a Mangalam verse, a benedictory verse. And then someone mentioned that Bhagavan had composed this verse, Karanap Purnasodabde. So this is how Kaviaganta came to know about this verse. So when he saw it, he was he he liked it a lot because it's in perfect Arya Britta, a beautiful meter in Sanskrit. So he asked Bhagavan to compose some more verses on uh in the same meter. So uh, Bhagavan, it seems, composed two more verses, the second verse and the third verse. The third verse, Bhagavan is clearly describing the path of Atma Vichara. So uh, Ganapati Sastri said, this is, the, this is on the Jnana Marga. Please also compose verses on yoga, bhakti, and karma. So Bhagavan composed the next two verses, in which actually he hardly, karma is touched upon only very obliquely in the 
final verse, but the, the main subject of uh, verses four and five is yoga and bhakti. Um, so um, this, I think, is the most likely uh, version from all the different versions, slightly different versions that I've heard. Um, but anyway, to come to the actual content, uh, we can... There are various ways we can look at it, but one way of, of viewing it is the first verse is a prayer Bhagavan made, and we can view the other four verses all as being somewhat like a commentary or an expansion of what he says in the first verse. Um, that, that's one way of, uh, of viewing it. Um, and it's slightly in that line, but I will, I will try and explain it today. So the first verse, Bhagavan sang, Karuna Purna Sarabdi, Kabalita Gana Vishwarupa Kirana Valya, Arunachala Paramatman, Aruno Baba Chitta Kanju Suvikasaya. What that means is, um, uh, uh, Sudabde means ocean of ambrosia, ocean of nectar, ocean of uh, ambrosia means, uh, uh, it implies amrita, the nectar of immortality. Karuna Apurna, uh, the fullness of grace. Um, uh, Paramatman, uh, he, this is all addressing Arunachi. He's addressing Arunachi firstly as um, the fullness of grace, the ocean of ambrosia, um, the Paramatman. And then he describes Arunachi uh, by whose uh, series of rays a solid form of the universe is swallowed. Um, that is, Kabalita Ganavishwarupa Kirana Valya, Arunacha Paramatman. And then finally, the prayer is Aruno Baba Chitta Kanjusuvikasaya. Uh, be the sun for the complete blossoming of the heart lotus, or imply my heart lotus. So that's a beautiful prayer. This is basically the same prayer. But Bhagavan uh, sang in verse um, verse twenty seven of Aksharamlai. In verse twenty seven of Aksharamlai, he sings Sakalamam Virangum Tadiroli Yinamana Jalajamalati Darunachala. Arunachala, son of bright light, or well, um, Tadi Oli can mean either bright light or um, or um, rays of light. So, sun of bright light or sun with rays of uh, light. Um, um, <clears throat> uh, uh, but swallows everything. Sun of bright light but swallows everything. Sakalam and Virangam means that swallows everything. Mana Jala Jamalati. Make the mind lotus blossom. So, in both these verses, Bhagavan is. Uh, addressing Arunachala as the sun, and he's praying to him to make the mind lotus blossom. Um, in the tam when later Bhagavan composed the, the Arunachala Pancharatnam in in Sanskrit in about 1917, the exact date of the first verse is not known, but the other verses were around July August uh, 1917. Later. Uh, in 1922, he, when it, uh, um, other hymns were to be published in Tamil, um, I, a devotee, I think it was Ayasami, uh, asked Bhagavan 
to translate the Sanskrit into Tamil. So the Tamil version of the first verse is Arul Nirebana Amadakadalei Virikadi Ral Yabum Virungum Aruna Giri Paramatma Bay Kila Ulapu Nandrai Viriti Paritiaha Vilungu. This means this, uh, more or less the same as the Sanskrit. He addresses Arunacha's ocean of Amrita, Amadakadalei. Um, Arul uh, Nirevana, which is the fullness of grace. Uh, Paramatma, he's addressing Arunacha's Paramatma. Paramatma means the supreme self or ultimate self. In other words, what we ultimately are, our, our own ultimate self. Um, Arunagiri. Uh, in Sanskrit, he says Arunacha. In, in Tamil, he says Arunagiri. They both mean the same. Um, uh, who swallow everything by your spreading rays. Um, shine as the sun that makes my budding heart lotus blossom. That is one word that he adds in Tamil, but is not in the Sanskrit, is killer. Killer means that is uh, um, just beginning to uh, blossom. So, so his heart is already beginning to blossom. It should blossom fully. Um, when he refers to, in all these three verses, that is the verse 27 of, of Akshram Lai and the Sanskrit and Tamil versions of this verse, he is referring to Arunachra as the sun. And it's by the light of the sun that the lotus blossoms. So what sort of sun is Arunachra? Arunachra is the sun of pure awareness. That is the light that is ever... The, the Arunachra is that light of pure awareness. So it is like the sun because as Bhagavan often said, the, the, the world um, shines by the light of the mind. As he says, for example, as he implies, for example, in verse 7 of uh, Uludunapadu, in which he doesn't refer directly to mind, he uses the word arivu, which means awareness, but he's referring, but by awareness in that context, he's referring to the mind or ego. Um, what he says in verse 7 of Uludunapadu is, um, um, though, uh, though the, um, the awareness and the world rise and subside simultaneously, it is only by the, by the mind that the world shines, only by awareness that the world shines. The awareness by which the world shines, the awareness that rises and subsides with the world is obviously the mind. So he's, though he uses the word aribu there, he's not talking about the pure awareness because the pure awareness is such it. It doesn't rise or subside. It ever remains as it is. The awareness that rises and subsides is the mind or ego. So it is by the mind that the world shines. So the light by which the world shines is the mind. But what is the light by which the mind shines? The light by which the mind shines is the original light of pure awareness. That is the mind or ego is the adjunct conflated awareness, I am this body. That adjunct conflated awareness is uh is not the is not the real awareness. It's a chidabasa. Chidabasa means it's a, a likeness or semblance of awareness or a reflection of awareness. Um, the original awareness, the original light, is uh, the light of pure awareness that ever shines as I am. So Arunachala, the sun, is that sun of pure awareness that is ever shining as I am. But 
uh, illumines the mind, thereby enabling the mind to illumine the world. So the, the, the mind's light is a reflected light. Sometimes Bhagavan compared it to the light of the moon. That is, the, 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 the light of Arunacha, the light of pure awareness, is like the light of the sun. The moonlight is just a reflection of the sunlight. So um, in the, in, in, at night, when the sunlight seems to be obscured by darkness, um, the, the, the objects of the world are illumined by the light of the moon. But the light of the moon is not the original light. The original light is the sunlight that reflects from the moon. So the Arunachal is that sun of pure awareness. The mind is a reflect is, is the, the awareness by which the mind knows the world is a reflection of that light. Um, so when Bhagavan refers to Arunachal as the sun, or in this verse, praise to Arunachal to, in, in the Sanskrit verse, he says, be the sun. In the Tamil verse, he says, shine as the sun to make the heart lotus blossom. So that is why he uses the analogy of the sun. But why does he use the analogy of a lotus blossoming? That is, the, the, in this analogy, the immature lotus bud is, is analogous to the, to the very impure mind. When the mind is very impure, it is bound tightly closed by its... Um, by its desires and attachments, asa-pasa. So the mind that is tightly bound by desires and attachments is like the tightly closed lotus uh, bud. But every day the lotus bud is exposed to the light of the sun, so it slowly, slowly begins to mature. So when he describes it as the killer ulapu, ulapu means the heart, uh, flower, or no, implies lotus in this context. Um, killer means it's beginning to swell up and to open. It's getting ready to open. So that is analogous to the state of of a mature spiritual aspirant whose heart is beginning to swell with bhakti. That even that bhakti comes from where? Just like the the swelling of the lotus, the lotus swells only because of the uh, light of the sun that falls on it every day. The, the devotion that rises in the heart of the devotee is only by the grace of our natula. That is the nature of ego, as Bhagavan says, for example, in verse 25 of Uludunapadu, Urupatri undam, Urupatri nekam, grasping form. It, it comes into existence. Grasping form, it stands. Grasping and feeding on forms, it flourishes abundantly. A leaving form, it grasps form. So the very nature of ego is to constantly grasp form. Form means anything other than itself, because ego is, as Bhagavan says in that same verse, ego is a formless hey. Hey means a, a phantom or an evil spirit or a pisasa, um, a demon, um, uh, and it is uh, uruvatra. Uruvatra means it's formless. So ego has no form of its own. It comes into existence and stands only by grasping form. So the very nature of ego is to grasp form. That means to grasp things other than itself. So the nature of ego is to have vishaya vasanas. Vishaya vasanas are the inclination to grasp vishayas, things other than itself. So 
from where can the love to turn within and uh, um, hold on to the light of pure awareness, from where can that love come? It can come only from Aranachala, from the from our, our nature means our own real nature, Paramatman, what, what we actually are. That is the source of whatever bhakti we have. So if if we have even even an iota of love to turn within and surrender ourselves to Bhagavan, that love comes only from him. It's only by his grace that we have that love. So this lotus is swelling up with that love ready to blossom and that love is given only by the by being bathed in the sunlight every day slowly slowly it gains that maturity and begins to blossom so what bhagavan asked for is nandrai viri paritiyaha vilangu pariti means the, the a halo or circle or it's a name of the sun so shine as the sun uh, 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 causing the heart to blossom, nandrai means well, very well. Uh, in Sanskrit, he says, su vikasaya, su means well, thoroughly, completely. And it, nandrai implies the same. So this partially um, uh, blossomed flower, is, Bhagavan's heart is welling up with bhakti. He's praying to it. Of course, Bhagavan, Bhagavan has attained it. I mean, Bhagavan's heart is fully blossomed, of course, but he's taking the, he's singing this prayer from the perspective of a devotee whose heart is, um, is beginning to swell up with, uh, with bhakti, but is not yet fully blossomed. And as, as he says in, um, this is a bit similar to the prayer in the first verse of um, Arunachala uh, Patikam. In Arunachala Patikam, he begins by saying in the first sentence, if you who by your grace took possession of me uh, are not gracious, giving me sight of you, in other words, enabling me to see you, what will be my state if I leave this body pining and suffering intensely in this dark and miserable world? So this is basically a prayer for Arunachala to uh, to give his darshanam uh, to the devotee. Arunachala is already seen by the devotee in name and form, but, but, but when Bhagavan prays Unkakshi Tandu, uh, giving your um, your kakshi, your your kakshi means more or less the same as darshanam, giving your sight of you. Um, he, what he is implying here is not just the sight of Arunachala in name and form, but Arunachala in his true form, as he praised in one of the verses of Akshram Rai, Unjoti Urukat, show your form of light. So the light of pure awareness. So Bhagavan is here praying for Arunachala to reveal himself as he actually is, to show himself as he actually is, to enable the devotee to see him as he actually is. And then in the next sentence, he says, uh, That means without seeing the sun will a lotus blossom. And then he concludes by addressing Arunachala as um, being the sun to the sun, O love called the great Aruna Hill. That is, he addresses Arunachala as Ambe, as love itself. Um, as he says in the next verse, Amburu Varunacha, Arunacha, the very form of love, the very nature of love, the, the Ambu Swarupa, the, very, uh, the one whose very nature is love. 
So he addresses Arunachya directly here, his own love, called the Great Aruna Hill, where grace surges forth as a spring, gushing forth abundantly. So the implication in this last thing is, just like the lotus cannot blossom without seeing the sun, can my heart lotus blossom without seeing you? So when he prays in this first verse of Pancharatnam to, to Arunachya, to be the sun to blossom his heart, that means enable me to see you as you actually are so that my heart lotus may blossom. And of course, the fully blossomed heart lotus is um, that, that is the, the closed heart lotus, either tightly closed heart lotus is ego. When it fully blossoms, it's when ego dissolves and merges back in its source, the light of pure awareness. So this is the prayer here. So as I say, the other verses we can understand as being uh, an elucidation or commentary on this. So in the next verse, in this verse, he described Aranachala as the, in this first verse, as the ocean of, of nectar, of, of um, ambrosia. That means an ocean of immortality. The nectar of amrita is the nectar of immortality. So it's the ocean of immortality, and it's the fullness of grace. Once when Bhagavan was asked what exactly he means by arana apurna, or arul nerevu, the fullness of grace, Bhagavan said, not even giving mukti is the fullness of grace, though that is the, the ultimate uh, gift of grace is the bestowal of mukti. But grace in its fullness has to be equal, has to be equally available to all. So what is the fullness of grace? The fullness of grace is uh, the shining of eye in the heart of each and every jiva. That is... Arunachala or God is so gracious, but he he always makes himself available to us as our nearest and dearest. So he's ever shiny in our heart as our own self, as I. Um, so this is the uh, this is the implication of karuna apurna or arul uh, nirebu, the fullness of grace is that shiny of Arunachala in our heart. So he points out that he implies the same in the next verse, but he says a bit more about Aranatra. It's not only the, the sun that will swallow everything. So what is it Aranatra is the sun whose bright rays will swallow everything, then what is the relationship between Aranatra and everything that it will swallow? That he, he explains in the first half of this second verse. Um in Sanskrit he says, Twe Arunachala Sarabam. Bhutva stitva praliname tachitram. That means tve arunachala sarvam. Tve means in you, uh, arunachala uh, sarvam. Sarvam means all, or implying all, all uh, or etat. Etat means this. So sarvam etat is all this. Bhutva stitva pralinam chitram. That is all this, all this this world is a mental picture, is a picture. Chitram means picture. It comes it bhutva comes into existence, stitva is sustained, and pralinam it is destroyed in you. So in you are natural, all this 
uh, which is a mental picture, comes into existence, is sustained and is destroyed. Hridi aham iti atmataya mrityasi. As oneself, you dance in uh, that. As oneself means as Atman, you dance in the, you dance in the heart as I. Boste vadanti shridiam nama. For you, they say the name is. They, they say heart is the name, and likewise in Tamil he's saying, "Chittiramam ishdellam semalaye nimbale uttidamai nindre odungidamal." Um, that means he addresses Arunacha here as Semalay, as Red Hill. Red Hill, all this implying the entire world appearance, Chittiramam, uh, which is a, a picture, implying which is a mental picture, arises, stands, and subsides only in you. Um, he said, Nimbale, the A, uh, Nimbal means in you. Nimbale means only in you. So everything arises, stands, and subsides in you. So firstly, Arunachari is that in which everything else is contained. But not only is it that in which everything else is contained, it is also the heart of everything. Heart means the center. So it is both the center and that which contains everything. So it's a beautiful contrast here. In the, the second half of the verse in Tamil, he says, Nityamum nanendru uh, ideam naditu veyal tam umpeh tan idiom enduruva tam. That means, um, since you dance eternally in the heart as I, they say your name itself is heart. So Arunachi is that in which everything appears, stands, and disappears. So it's that which contains everything, but it is also the heart of everything. The heart means the center. And he says, since you dance eternally in the heart as I. So what is it that is in the heart? Heart means the center. The, 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 so whatever is in the heart, if, that is, if something other than the heart were in the heart, that other thing that is in the heart would be the heart of the heart. But so the, when Bhagavan says you dance eternally in the heart, he implies you dance eternally in the heart as the heart. That is, that which is in the heart is only the heart. So since you dance eternally in the heart as I, so I is the heart, and they say your name itself is heart. That is, Arunachya is itself the heart in which it dances. So it, it, when, we, when we try and conceive it with our mind, it, it's uh, how can the heart be in the heart? But the heart, that, that is, it's just, this is the limitation of language. When we talk about something being in the heart, what is in the heart is only the heart, nothing but the heart. So that which is dancing in the heart is I, that is Arunachya. Therefore, Arunachya itself is the heart. Our natural is the heart, our natural is I. Um, and that I is what contains all this appearance. So how can all this appearance appear in the heart when the heart is the center of everything? That is, when Bhagavan says that it is a chitram, a, a picture, he implies it is a mental picture, as he makes clear in so many other places in Uludunapta, Nana and everything, but the entire world, it's just a dream. 
as Bhagavan makes clear. And a dream is just a mental picture. So the dream appears only in the mind of the dreamer. Um, uh, so, uh, but Arunachi is not the dreamer. Arunachi is the, is the fundamental awareness that ever shines in the pure eye in which the dreamer, which is the adjunct conflated awareness, in, the dreamer is ego. So ego is the adjunct conflated awareness. I am this body. So the heart of the false awareness I am this body is the real awareness I. That real awareness I or I am, that is Arunachala. So he is the heart of the ego in which everything appears. So uh, ego has no, ex that is the heart means it is, it is also, it's both the source and the substance of everything else. So Arunachala is both the source from which everything appears and that in which everything appears, because everything appears only in the view of ego. And ego appears, cannot, cannot have any existence other than the pure eye. So everything ultimately is contained in Arunachala, and Arunachala is contained in everything. So in this verse, Bhagavan uh, reveals the, the real greatness of Arunachala. It is that in which everything is contained, and that which is contained within everything. So Arunachala is both um, imminent and transcendent. It transcends everything because everything is contained in it. And it's also imminent because it's in everything. So there's never a time or place where Arunachala is not present. In the heart of every sentient being, Arunachala is what is shiny as I. As Bhagavan sang in another verse when he was asked his true identity, that is, Arunachal Ramanan is Paramatman. The same Paramatman he referred to in the previous verse of this song, um, uh, which uh, Rami, Rami means it exists blissfully, Arivai, uh, as awareness, in the cave of the heart lotus of all different jivas, beginning with Hari. Hari means Lord Vishnu. So from the highest God down to the smallest, most insignificant insect or smallest sentient being there is, that which is shiny as awareness, as the awareness I in all, is Arunachala. So he is that which is contained in everything and in which everything is contained. So how are we to know him as such? That he, he, he is what he takes up in the third verse. Since Arunachala is showing is what is always shining in our heart as I, always dancing in our heart as I, how are we to know him? So in the third verse, Bhagavan sings, Ahamiti kuta ayati anvishya. That means by an extremely immaculate mind. Oh, uh, um, oh no, sorry, sorry. Let me let me read more. Ahamiti kutas Ayati iti ambishya anta pravishtaya ati mala ati amala dia abagambya swam rupam samyatyarunachala tvainadi vabdo. The meaning of that is by an extremely immaculate mind. He says not just amala di, he says ati amala di. It's extremely immaculate mind. Uh, 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 investigating, investigating is, is ambitious uh, from where one has come as I. 
So now we have risen as I. So from where have we risen as I? Investigating that, anta pravishtaya, entering within, abhagamya swamrupam, coming to know one's own form, the form of oneself. Form here, rupam implies swarupam, our own real nature. Coming to know our own real nature by entering within, by investigating who, uh, from where we have risen as I, um, one will cease to, one will cease or subside or become quiescent in you, in you, Arunachala, like a river in the ocean. So just like a river merges and loses its separate identity in the ocean, we will merge and lose our separate identity in Arunachala when by an extremely a pure or immaculate mind, when we investigate from where we uh, we have risen as I, um, and thereby entering within and coming to know what we actually are, we will thereby merge in Him. That is, it's only only when we know Him as when we know our own real nature, will we know Him as He really is, because. Atma Swarupa is our natural Swarupa. That is, his real nature is our real nature. So only by knowing our own real nature can we know our nature as he really is. And when we know him, as Bhagavan says in, in, in verse 26 of um, Upadesh Undia, Tanai iritle, tanai aridlam. Being oneself alone, alone is knowing oneself. So we can know our real nature only by being our real nature. And since our real nature is our nature, knowing ourselves as we actually are is like is like a river merging in the ocean and losing its separate identity in the ocean. Likewise, in Tamil, he says, "Aha um, mukama anda amala mati tanal." Ahamidutan Engu Erum Endu Aindei Ahavuruve Nangu Arindu Munne Nadipolum Oyume Ungan Aronachalane O. That means by that immaculate mind which is completely Ahamukam. Ahamukam is a beautiful word in Tamil because Mukam is a Sanskrit word that means uh, face or facing. So in Sanskrit, uh, the two commonly used words are bahiyamukam, which means facing outwards, and antamukam, which means facing inwards. <laughs> but instead of antamukam, in Tamil Bhagavan often used the term ahamukam, which has a very nice meaning in Tamil because there are two words in Tamil, aham. That is, the, the, the Sanskrit pronoun I is aham, which is often used in Tamil. Um, <laughs> aham is also a word in Tamil, but means inside or interior or heart or home. So ahamukam means both facing inside and facing eye. It has a double meaning, but but the two meanings actually amount to the same. Because according to Bhagavan, facing facing eye alone is truly facing inwards. That is, everything other than eye is Bahia is external to ourself, extraneous to ourself. Only so facing inwards means what Bhagavan when Bhagavan talks about antamukam, facing inwards, he means ahamukam, facing towards I. So it's a very nice term he uses. Um 
So by that immaculate mind that is completely ahamukam, that is completely inward-facing or selfward-facing or self-attentive, investigating where this I itself uh, rises, and thereby clearly knowing the form, or uh, he says in Tamil, um, he says, aha uruve, aha uruve, that is the, the form of I, the uh, in form again, like in Sanskrit, where he talks about Swamrupam. Uh, rupam there means Swarupam. Uh, the Swarupa of oneself, here he talks about the Swarupa of I, the real nature of I. So only by investigating from where this I rises, one will certainly cease in you, Arunachala, like a river in the ocean. And then he ends with one word in Tamil, or. Or means investigate. Um, so the implication is he's, that he's telling us, investigate what you actually are. Um, when Bhagavan talks about investigating where I rises, what exactly does he mean? Where does I rise? But obviously the I that rises is not the pure I. The pure I never rises. The pure I is pure being, such it. Um, the I that rises is ego. So from where does this I, this ego I rise? It can only rise from, that is, ego rises in waking and dream, it subsides in sleep. So where it rises and where it subsides has to be what exists in the absence of ego. So what exists in the absence of ego? As Bhagavan says in verse 26 of Uludhunapadu, Ahandayundayan uh, anetamundahum. If ego comes into existence, everything comes into existence. Ahande indrail, indruanatum. If ego doesn't exist, everything doesn't exist. That means, why does he say that? Because everything means everything that is known by ego, all phenomena, all forms, uh, all objects, they exist only in the view of ego. So they come into existence only when ego comes into existence and they cease to exist when ego ceases to exist. As we know from our own experience, in waking and dream, we rise as ego and we become aware of all this multiplicity. In sleep, we as ego subside and all awareness and multiplicity subsides along with us. So what exists in the absence of ego cannot be any object or phenomenon. It can only be that which exists in the absence of ego, which is the, what, what is ever existing, namely Satchit, the pure awareness I am. So the, the, where ego rises, that is, ego is the adjunct conflated awareness, I am this body. From where did this adjunct conflated awareness, I am this body rise? Only from the pure awareness I am. So when he says investigating where this eye rises, he means investigating our own reality, investigating what we actually are. So investigating where or investigating who amounts to the same, because what we actually are is, is itself the source from which we have risen as ego. So whether he describes it as investigating who am I or what am I or where am I, or from where, from where do I rise? It all amounts to the same thing. It's all investigating this fundamental awareness I am. Um, so uh, so uh, this is the, the path of jnana he's describing here. So 
these three verses, first three verses, all tie together very neatly because he says, Arunachi, that which will swallow everything when he makes the heart lotus blossom. Uh, how is the heart lotus to blossom? It can blossom as he implies in the when in um in the first verse of Arunacha Patikam when he says um um uh Aruna Kamalam and without seeing the sun will a lotus blossom. So how is the lotus to see uh, to blossom, it's only by seeing Arunacha, the sun of, but he's ever shining in my heart as I. So in this third verse, he's describing how Arunacha, how the mind is to see that pure eye. That the mind, firstly, it has to be extremely pure, because only a very, the impurities in the mind are all the vasanas, which are what rises, uh, likes, dislikes, desires, attachments, and so on, all the vishaya vasanas. These are the impurities. So long as the vishaya vasanas are very strong, the mind won't be willing to turn within. It won't be willing to become a ahamukam. So the mind, in order to turn within and become uh, completely ahamukam, uh, that's what is implied by the word ah. Ah means... Uh, uh, which it, it implies it's completely uh, ahamukam, uh, it will become completely ahamukam only when it's extremely pure, when it's freed of all its vishaya vasanas. So that is why that bhakti that is making the lotus begin to swell, that bhakti is so important. That's why Bhagavan often said, bhakti is the mother of jnana, because without all-consuming... We, we cannot turn within without thereby surrendering ourselves completely. That is, by turning within and knowing ourselves as we actually are, we will merge in our natural like, like a, a river merging in the ocean. So we must be willing to surrender ourselves completely in order to turn within. As Bhagavan says in the concluding sentence of verse 26 of of, uh, of Uludunaptu, where when he's after saying... If ego comes into existence, everything comes into existence. If ego doesn't exist, everything doesn't exist. Ego itself is everything. Therefore, Adalal, Overdal, Therefore, know that investigating what this is is giving up everything. So we will not be willing to investigate what we actually are until we are willing to give up everything. So that requires a great only when we have all consuming love to know and to be what we actually are namely our natural ramana is what we actually are only when we have great love to know and to be uh, what we always actually are will we be willing to surrender ourselves completely so that great love is necessary and that love can come only by the grace of our natural by the grace of bhagavan because the, the nature of ego is to go outwards and constantly grasp other things. So to get the love to let go of other things and to turn within, that love can only come from our natural, which is what is always shiny in our heart as I. So all these verses are so nicely tied together. And why is everything swallowed by our natural? Because everything exists only in the view of ego. When ego is, when ego uh, 
it, it, when by, by seeing Arunach as he actually is, in other words, seeing ourselves as we actually are, when ego is thereby blossoms, everything is swallowed. Because ego is swallowed, everything is swallowed along with it. So all these verses tie together so neatly. But then to, to proceed to the next two verses, as I said, Kavirgant had asked Bhagavan to have composed, since he composed one verse on jnana, he should also compose a verse on yoga and bhakti and karma, he, is what Kavirgant had asked Bhagavan. So in the next verse, he he, he touches upon the, sub, the subject of, um, of, uh, of yoga. He, he, what he says in the next verse in Sanskrit is, vishyam bahyam, uh, uh, giving up external phenomena. Ruddha pranena, ruddha manasantas, ruddha manasa, manasa anta twam, dhyayam pasyati yogi, Diditim Arunachala Tvai Mahiyante. Arunachala, giving up external phenomena and contemplating you within by a mind restrained by the restrained breath, the yogi sees the light, uh, uh, thereby they are exalted in you. Well, thereby is not there, but the implication is they are exalted in you. Implies thereby they are exalted in you. Um, so um, he begins this verse, oh, I'll read the Tamil also, but so I can explain them both together. In, in What he says in Tamil is, Veli vidyangale vittu, sorry, that I'm reading, Veli vidyam vittu, giving up external objects. Um, uh, external, vidyam means vishayam, external objects, phenomena, um, uh, so in Sanskrit he says vishayam, in Tamil he says vidayam, which is a Tamil form of it. So giving up external phenomena. Bilangumarunesa, um, uh, Aranesa who shine. Uh, he's addressing Aranacha, that is. Aranesa, that, that makes it as an address. Baliadaka nikkum manatal, by the mind which stands when the breath is uh, is subdued or con uh, controlled, brought under, yeah, subdued. Um, by that by that mind, Ulamadanil, in the heart, Unnedianitu, meditating on you in the heart, contemplating you in the heart, Yogi Oli Karnam, the Yogi sees the light. Unnil Weavu Urum, they attain greatness in you. Uh, um, uh, consider this or know this. <laughs> so, what Bhagavan says here, firstly, he describes Arunachala as Bilangam uh, Arunesa, Arunachala who shine. What does he mean by Arunachala who shine? Arunachala is, is Swayam Prakasa, it shines by the light of its own awareness. So, Arunachala is the light of pure awareness. Uh, so it, it, it's ever shiny as the light of pure awareness, which is it, what this is, it implies the same as what he said in the second verse. You're always dancing in the heart as I. Um, so that's addressing Arunachya. Arunachya who shine, implying who shine as the light of pure awareness. Um, then he describes what the, what the yogi has to do. Uh, 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 giving up external phenomena. In other words, we 
withdrawing the mind from all, everything external, uh, contemplating you in the heart. So when the mind has given up all external phenomena and contemplates you in the heart, what does he mean by contemplating you in the heart? Firstly, what is in the heart, as we saw earlier, is he, Arunach is always dancing in the heart as I. So contemplating you in the heart implies contemplating you as I, meditating on you as I. Um, as he says in, um, in verse 8 of uh, Upadesha Undia, Anniya bhavatin avanahamahum ananya bhavame undipara anaitinum utumum undipara. Rather than anya bhava, rather than meditating on God as something other than oneself, ananya bhava in which he is I. That is, meditating, meditation on him as not other than oneself, in which he is I. That is, with the understanding that he is always, what is always shining in the heart as I, as Bhagavan had said in the second verse of this Pancharatnam, with that understanding, meditating on him, not as other than oneself, but as oneself alone, uh, that is the best, that is the best among all. So that's what Bhagavan implies here when he says, contemplating you in the heart uh, by a mind that stands motionless, but, but, by a mind that stands, implies stands motionless when restraining the breath, the yogi sees the light. That, uh, uh, what is the light that the yogi sees? The light of pure awareness, but is always shining in our heart as I, which is Arunachala. So by meditating on Arunachala, the light of pure awareness in the heart, the yogi thereby sees that light. And how do we see the, how can a yogi see the light? As Bhagavan says in verse, uh, in uh, the final sentence of verse 21 of Uludunapadu, Unadal Khan, um, uh, uh, becoming food is seeing. That is, only when we are swallowed by that light are we truly seeing that light. We can see that light only by being that light, and we can be that light only by being swallowed by it. So when Bhagavan said the yogi sees the light, he implies the yogi is swallowed by that light, and thereby he attains exaltation or greatness in you. Um, so though these verses makes an indirect reference to uh, pranayama and refers to the yogi and, and refers to the aspirant as yogi, actually what Bhagavan is describing in this verse is the same as the previous verse. Because when he's here, he says, contemplating you in the heart, that is what he referred to in the previous verse as investigating where this eye rises. Where the eye rises, obviously only the heart, the arunachal, which is ever shining in the heart as the pure eye. So the implication, is, though, though Bhagavan is, is, is using different words, what he implies in this verse is the same as what he, what he said more explicitly in the previous verse. Because Arunachi is that which is shiny as pure awareness. Once we've given up external phenomena, what else is there to see? As, um, the words he begins this uh, he uses at the beginning of this verse in Tamil, Veli Bedeyam Vittu. Um, he uses almost exactly the same words in the um first in verse 16 of Upadesh Undia. Uh Bedengale Vittu, um, uh, giving up external phenomena. Manam tan oli uru ordale, the mind knowing its own form of light, 
Unmeunichiam. Uh, that alone is true awareness. So the mind knowing its own form of light means what? <laughs> its form of light means the light of pure awareness. When the mind knows its own, is that, that light of pure awareness, it ceases to be mind and merges in that like a river in the ocean. So all these verses, if we if we consider all these verses together, we can see how Bhagavan is, whether it's in Upadesh Undia or Ludunapadu or Nana or Akshramlai or Pancharatnam or, um, or Patikam or wherever, Bhagavan is always talking about the same subject. He's just expressing it in so many different beautiful ways. But the whole, the, the import of all of Bhagavan's teachings is that we need to turn within and know ourselves as we actually are. Sorry, I have to rush now. I've only got five minutes. And the last verse is a very important verse also. I'll quickly go through this. In the fifth verse, he says, Vaya pitamanasatvam pasyam sarvam tavakriteya satatam bhajate ananya pritya sajayati arunachala tvai sukhe magnaha. Arunachala, seeing you by, by a mind that is surrendered to you, one who, without otherness, uh, uh, or with other, without otherness, lovingly adores or worships everything as your form, triumphs, immersed in happiness in you. And the Tamil version is, Unnidatil oppuvitto ullatal eporidum, unnei kandu, ellamum unnuruvai, Aniyamil ambuseyum annon arunachala velhum iru imburu bam unilande. That means arunachala, seeing you always by a mind that is surrendered to you, one who without otherness loves everything as your form or nature, triumphs, drowning in you who are the form of bliss. This is a beautiful verse to round off all of these. That is, in this verse, Bhagavan, because Kavyaganta asked Bhagavan to write about bhakti, here he talks about surrender. But how, do, how can the mind be surrendered to Arunachala? Only by turning within. And he, he, he says here, in the, he, he says, see you always by a mind that is surrendered to you. What is a mind that is surrendered to Arunachala? When the mind is surrendered to Arunachala, it merges in Arunachala like a river in the ocean. So seeing you always by a mind surrendered in you implies seeing you always by being you. Because only when the mind is completely surrendered, when it has merged completely in Arunachala, are we truly seeing Arunachala. As he says in verse 26 of Upadesh Undia, uh, being oneself alone is knowing us, oneself. So we can see Arunachala only by being Arunachala. Uh, so seeing him always, he's, when he says always, that means not only in waking and dream, also in sleep. It means not only in the present and future, but also in the past. Seeing you eternally is what he implies by seeing you always. And how can we see him always? Only by completely surrendering the mind to him. Only by the mind that is surrendered to him and that is completely merged in him, become one with him, can we truly see him as he actually is. And when we have, when we have surrendered and merged in him, 
we, what do we see? We see only him. So when Bhagavan says, one who without otherness loves everything as your form, we can love everything as the form of Arunachala only if we see everything as the form of Arunachala. And we can see everything as the form of Arunachala only if we see Arunachala as he actually is. And when we see Arunachala as he actually is, he will swallow everything. That is, he alone will remain shining. When, when we see a rope as a snake, we don't see it as a rope. When we see it, when we see the snake as a rope, we no longer see it as a snake, we see it as a rope. What it always actually is, is a rope. So when Bhagavan says, seeing everything is your form, he means seeing that you alone are the one reality, but previously appeared as everything. And then only when we see everything as his form and see ourselves as his form, do we, can we truly love without otherness? So thereby we drown in him who is the ocean of bliss. So I, I could have said more about this, but I've, I've come to the end of uh, the one hour. So this is such a beautiful, like, like every work of Bhagavan, each work of Bhagavan, when we take it and think, and think about it deeply, what Bhagavan is saying, every work looks so complete in itself and looks, oh, this is the very best of all of Bhagavan's works. And when we look at the next one, oh, this is the very best, because Bhagavan has such a way of, whatever he does is so perfect. So this is such a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful song and such an apt um, ending um, conclusion to Arunachala Stuti Panchakam. Om Namo Bhagavate Sri Arunachala Ramanaya.